I don't treat my 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 project as as products that yeah. in which I I I I just I just want to achieve certain certain objective and then it's done. It's a it's almost like a like a like a living organism that that I coexist with. I try different things with it. I add uh, elements to it. I remove it. I, it. I. I kind of enhance it with uh, with with experiences that I that I that I gain para- parallelly in in my life. It's a intensive relationship that I have with uh, with uh, with the piece. Hello, Jacek. How are you? Hello, Carlo. I'm, I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing great. So, so happy to have you on the show. Happy and, to be. You know, I have to start with one question, Jacek. Tell me. Your, your last name, how, how you pronounce it and, and where is it from? Where are you originally from? It's, um, it's Jacek Markusiewicz. It's a Polish surname. I, I admit I didn't, I didn't think it through very well when I was choosing my, my artistic name, which is Basically, it's basically the abbreviation of that of my surname, which is already difficult to pronounce. I and I even removed the vowels to make it even harder. Uh, and it's uh, it's tough. I know it's tough because when I when I meet someone from from the space in real life, it's it's always like when I introduce myself, they have no idea who I am. So right. I usually take out my phone and I show them my work. Hey, here I'm I'm the hollow guy. <laughs> um, yeah, right. I'm originally from Poland. Originally from Poland and. But we, you live in Spain these days, right? Yes, I live in the north of Spain, in Basque Country, in, in San yeah. Sebastian. Right, we aren't so far away from, from each other, it's five, oh, six-hour yeah. drive. You, you, you live in La Coruña, no? Right, yeah, yes, share, in La Coruña. We share a beautiful ocean coast and, 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 and rain, a lot of rain. Right. Yeah, but, you know, it's been getting better, to be honest. Uh, now it's actually pretty sunny, um, it's and it's zero. January. It's January. It's not typical. Um, so the weather. I mean, I have no problem. I have no problem with the weather here in the in the north. Um, and you know, just like how did you end up? How did you end up in in the Basque country? Mm-hmm. So uh, well, I've lived. I lived here uh, for for five years already. The reason is is very simple. Uh, my my husband is from San Sebastian, and that's how I ended up here. So in fact, we in fact we met in when I was doing my masters, my master studies in Barcelona. We started working together uh, there. We lived in Warsaw for some time, and then we set up a, a, a small company in here in San Sebastian. That was five years. Mm. And I think when we met um, in real life, I think it was in Valencia, in Spain. Yeah, you mentioned you had uh, you work in a company, um, and you were you know mixing your time between the company and and your your creative uh, art your you know your generative art so what is this company about because you know you're an architect can you tell us yeah. a bit about what you do besides yeah, art I will give you a little bit of my background um, like right, right now I'm, I'm working full-time of, of, on my art but my but uh, but my background I think tells tells quite a lot about about how I how I got here so um, so I, I started studying architecture in 2003 in Warsaw. I realized that it was 20 years ago already. Um, so, and after graduating from, it was at the Warsaw University of Technology. Then I left for Barcelona when I pursued my, my master's studies. 
that was uh, quite a turning point in my in my life and my because uh, you know apart from meeting my husband also professionally i kind of changed my my attitude towards towards architecture there i met some some really really awesome people uh, had my had amazing teachers particularly one teacher in, in in barcelona do you know you know luis fraguada you know Luis. Fraguada. Yes, Luis. Uh, I know he's also an artist, right? He was my teacher uh, at, in, in, at IAC Barcelona. Uh, like when I went there, I already had a certain background in coding, but it was the moment when I I kind of make make the link between uh, creating architecture, designing architecture, and my my interest in in say algorithmic approach to 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 things. So I was introduced uh, properly to something that's called parametric design. In architecture, I I got to have some practice in it, and uh, I discovered I can apply mathematical and and, and algorithmic logic to uh, to creative processes. And can you tell us a bit about parametric design, uh, Jacek, for those that are yeah. Familiar? Okay. So um, so parametric design is a uh, is a pretty wide concept. Um, it encompasses everything from the use of custom algorithms uh, for automating certain parts of design process, like generation of complex geometries, um, uh, optimizing certain uh, certain certain elements of of a building uh, using 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 algorithms and, and parameters, and it goes all the way to to a, a sort of philosophy of designing not by arbitrarily deciding on where to place a wall a window but shaping certain certain algorithmic rules that are behind the logic of architectural form and from that generating generating architecture okay and is this way of working uh, very common among architects these days i wouldn't say so i would say it's still a bit of a niche um, so today's today's use of of computational tools in general, I would say it's 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 mainly uh, using architects using a digital version of a drafting board. So basically, uh, we still draw plans and sections, but instead of using a pencil and a ruler, uh, we are using programs like like AutoCAD. There are also other uh, other movements like uh, building information modeling, famous BIM, which is like a system in which we we model buildings, but where every element of the model represents an architectural element supplemented with 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 uh, with architectural information manufacturer physical properties price even okay. but parametric design goes a little bit be, 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 goes a little bit beyond that it's, it's kind of a, um, it, it, it's kind of encourages architects to to create their own personalized tools uh, in order to be able to face uh, unique personalized uh, design problems yeah, I mean, I can from that explanation, I can see the connection between generative art, um, right? Because it seems like similar in a way. And and I wonder, when did you discover generative art? Was it uh, early on in your career as an architect, or more towards the last few years? Okay, so um, I think it depends on how we how we define generative art right because because ever since i graduated from 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 that master degree in, in barcelona i already started working as someone that i would i, would, I started calling myself a, a creative coder so i started working in an architectural office uh, where i helped out automating uh, multiple architectural processes via coding 
technical aspects and, and aesthetic aspects. I would I would help create programs that would generate generate multiple options of uh, facade, uh, optimizing the distribution of buildings on a site. We would also create application interfaces, not only for myself, for, for ourselves, but but for, for the clients to involve them in, in the design process. Then after I left Barcelona, I, I, I moved back to Warsaw and I started teaching at my own university. I was teaching programming to architects, still, still, uh, still a, let's, let's say, category of, of, of creating coding. And then I, I, I moved from teaching like technical aspects to, uh, to teaching design studios when I encouraged, encouraged uh, students to, to implement algorithmic, algorithmic logic in designing. I did my PhD there, uh, and uh, meanwhile, also, I also started working outside of academia uh, for a furniture designer from the Netherlands called Joris Larma. When my, my role was to, to create programs and scripts to, to help him generate complex geometries that would constitute the, the furniture that they were designing. Well, that's, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, I can see synergies there uh, between your art, which we'll talk in a bit. Um, and designing like these objects, right? Like furniture, um, modern. I can I can see how that translates to what you usually create. So when you were working with this designer, um, or when you were teaching architecture, mm -hmm. were you already creating art on the side or not yet? My like my own practice. Uh, so I I would consider that my more personalized practice started after I, I left Warsaw and we moved to, to San Sebastian because when we set up the, the company, um, the, the scope of, uh, the, the scope of projects, the spectrum of projects that we were doing was very wide. So we, we, we encompassed many things from, from creating applications dedicated to, to technological companies in the region, but all the way to, to, to creating and, and, and building interactive artistic installations in the city of San Sebastian. We, we had a bunch of those and I, I, I consider that my, my, the starting point of my, of my art practice. Uh, but then like the company slowly moved towards more, um, uh, urban scale analysis and design. And I kind of diverged uh, towards my towards towards my own practice, which which was something that I that I felt uh, much more comfortable with. Nice. So you are now doing it full time. I'm doing it for full time right now. Well, I'm still helping uh, once in a while yeah. in that company when my when my uh, when I know is is most needed when I like data analysis, uh, programming something that, that that's very very specific. And how how did you? discover nfts and maybe another thing i'm interested is do do you consider like your practice the way you release art is it always via nfts or do you also have other mediums maybe prints maybe physical <laughs> stuff how, how do you define your your medium or your practice uh, so so when when i when i discovered uh, nfts so again again um, uh, I have to involve in the in the in the story Luis Fraguada. I remember one day he was visiting us in San Sebastian. We were talking about about many things. Uh, I was in the phase back then when I was experimenting quite a bit with artificial intelligence. It was like three, four, four, three years ago. 
uh, I was trying to train my own neural networks and playing with the results. And then we're, you know, we're talking about it. And Luis at one moment asked me, so, so yeah, so, um, so what do you think about blockchain NFTs? And I was like, what are you talking about? And then he, he first time explained me about, you know, art on blockchain. He told me about Hikanong. And then I, uh, he encouraged me to, 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 to try. I, I remember he even, he even sent me, he helped me set up a, a, a wallet on, on Tezos. He even sent me 0.5 tests so like I could be able to mint something. And that's how it started. I published my first pieces. I started interacting with, with people on Twitter and I, and I absolutely fell in love with the, with the community. And uh, to this day, uh, the, the, the digital, the digital format is my main, my main uh, medium of, of releasing, of releasing projects. Uh, there are also, you know, when I, when I do something with a, with a, with a, with a, like with a gallery, like, like uh, bright, bright moments or, or verse, there is also like this, this in, in real life event that I really, really enjoy. But the, the main medium of the, of the pieces is, is digital. NFTs, yeah. No, that makes makes a lot of sense. And you know, you mentioned Luis Fraguada, and you know, you're an architect. I also know Ismaelio, who yeah. is a, another architect. He's also releasing. Uh, I think he's teaching parametric design, and he's releasing NFTs. You know, for his art. But there are more. There are more artists, right? So the architects in in the in the in the, in the space that's true there's um there is uh, apart from luis and, and ismail olga olga fradina uh, she she recently had a curated art art, art blocks drop yeah. uh, she's i think she's an interior designer galo canizares is an architect uh, luca piscojets uh, alejandro campos victor duval anna beller Eric Fan is also is also yeah. and I think Bruce from 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 Studio York yeah. Anaglyphic from Anavels. Too many, too many, too many architects. I think it's. I don't think it's that surprising because um, uh, I think there is a so there's a connection between coding language and architectural language. So so there is a like a language of architectural expression mm -hmm. that comes from the fact that buildings need need to need to obey certain rules. And the fact that we like we need foundations to start building, we need columns to support beams. Uh, when you have walls and you wanna make an opening in the wall in order to transfer vertical forces from it, you're creating arcs. Mm. Uh, this led to formulating certain grammatical rules that uh, that uh, of what what elements you use and which scale in which order. It's like for ages, these rules that were related to function durability also led to aesthetics. So if you if you don't follow those rules. The, the 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 language the language is off, and when you are working on generative art and you're coding, you're basically you're, you're you're setting up a system of of grammatical rules and elements that that must that must obey the rule those, those rules. The, I think the connection is is uh, is strong. Also, I'm not sure about uh, about everybody, but but some of us I know me, Luis, uh, Ismaelio, Luca, um, we we. We come from, we are familiar with parametric architecture. So with the concept of building an algorithm that generates formal results. I think these like, long form, long form generative art is very close to that. Yeah, that's uh, quite an interesting connection, I will say. And I would like to talk a bit about your art, Jacek, because you, you have released um, so many long form generative art um, through the last two years. 
um, on FXHash, but also, as you mentioned, on other platforms like Right Moments. Um, and, you know, Alex Storic, who is the, he was in the podcast recently, and he's the editor-in-chief of Right Click Safe. Mm -hmm. he, he sent me a question. He wanted to know uh, what you think, and it's related to some of your collections, like Reborn and Unbuilt, um, where in this case, uh, I mean, there are many people that are reshaping nature, right? They're playing with, with code to reshape nature and create different sorts of outputs. But in your case, it looks like you are reshaping architecture, right? So it's kind of a different approach. And he wonders, and me too, how did you come up with these ideas of reshaping architecture? Mm -hmm. So yeah, you mentioned uh, re reborn and, and unbuilt. That the, I think these are these are these are two two releases that uh, that I that I published on FX Hash. That I think they are like the most visible manifestations of of my architectural background. In in both cases, I work with with semantic rules of of existing architectural languages. I don't think that's if it's that far away from from mimicking nature. You're you're basically extracting rules from from something you you observe and you know, mm. and you try to creatively reprocess that. So uh, I don't know if you that's visible. I don't I don't usually hang um, hang my own frame and hang my own pieces in my own flat, but uh, in, in in case in case of in case of uh. Uh, of unbuilt, it's a very it's a very special special piece yeah. for me. Um, so I when I I have a I have a spe very special relationship. Yeah, I think it was the first one I saw from you. It was one of your originals, right? It was, it was my my second publication on on FX Hash, and I the, the one that I think kind of drew attention to of of many of of many collectors. Yeah. So yeah, so so um, in in this one, I I work with rules uh, behind medieval sacral architecture, mm -hmm. and then in in reborn, I change both the period and the scale from Middle Ages to to, to Renaissance, and from from the scale of a building to 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 the scale of a city. So I I I I think that these these duo, like the Middle Ages and, and Renaissance, are to me are were always a fascinating a, a fascinating uh, relationship. The, the transition between between them is 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 marked by let's be honest Renas the the Renaissance's uh, complete disregard to, towards towards medieval legacy to to an extent that that they even use the term dark ages to, to describe the part of the the preceding epoch on that on let's say in in reborn in a, on that Renaissance fascination with the concept of of the ideal like the, the ideal proportions of the human body in this case ideal cities. Uh, enclosing aesthetics in mathematical rules and 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 and, and theories, mm -hmm. and and yeah, and it's also very interesting to me that that there are very few ideal cities from that from that time that that exist today. Most of them most of them failed spectacularly mm -hmm. when confronted with an with an imperfect world. And yeah, oh, that's quite a unique concept, and I think there is um, an architect that. I believe you are very familiar with, which is Saha Hadid, who kind of pioneered, right, this idea of the methodology you mentioned earlier, parametric design and creating spaces and, and the interaction between the spaces we live in. Can you tell us a bit about Saha and how your practice has been influenced by this methodology and 
this kind of process. So, so yeah, Zaha, Zaha Hadid is a very, very interesting example. Uh, she's one of the, 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 the huge star architects of, of the late, uh, late 20th and early 21st century. Enormous legacy. She's the, she was the first woman to, to win the Pritzker Prize, which is like the, the Pritzker Prize is like the Nobel, Nobel Prize or like the, the Oscar in, in architecture. She's a woman that comes from Iraq. Uh, she, before studying architecture, I think she studied mathematics. But what's very interesting about her is that, that her first architectural works were not buildings, but that they were paintings. So she was, she was fascinated with, uh, with early 20th century Russian avant-garde and the, the suprematism. And during the, the 80s, she, she created uh, works of art, paintings that were, that were studies of, of architectural and urban forms inspired in that, in that suprematist aesthetics and composition rules. So later she adapted, uh, uh, she adapted that, the, the painting as, uh, as, uh, as preliminary form study for, for architectural uh, projects. So when you look at her, mainly the, 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 especially the early projects and you compare, compare it to, to her work as a, as a painter, you can, you can see the, the similarities in, in uh, in the dynamics and the, the expression of forms, okay. and then I think in the in the in the nineties she she moved more towards what uh, what we call now uh, parametric design, and it manifested in a in a different aesthetics. And I, I and I think when we're when we're talking about about her, it's hard not to mention another person that's that's related to to her to her practice, uh, her. Um, her professional partner that was that was that was working with her uh, since the 90s i think uh, called patrick schumacher like zaha hadid died in uh, a few years ago like 2015 or 2016 uh, and uh, patrick schumacher is now in the in the lead of uh, of her of her um, of her studio okay. and he he is a, one of the very 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 influential thinkers the theories of architecture and a lobbyist of, of, of parametric design. He proposed a, a, a concept, an architectural style that he called parametricism. So he has this, this opinion that when you use algorithmic methods in the process of design, then you have an obligation to use certain architect architectural language that is appropriate for this method. So, uh, so what does he mean when you, like, when, when he means that. So for him, like the consistent language with using computer in architecture are curvy, curvy forms, cur complex geometries, no right angles, no repetition. It's, it's almost religious in his case. It's like, you shall not use repetition in architectural. What design. does it mean? Uh, just like, what does it mean? No repetition exactly? Like, rep uh, like repetition is a, uh, Patrick Schumacher uh, relates it to, uh, to mass production. To uh, so when, when you when you uh, create a building, uh, you can prefabricate certain elements okay. uh, in a in a factory, and then you can stack them together uh, to create a very repeated, repetitive uh, facade. Yeah. So, like a so product that you repeat. So exactly. it's more like a unique. Needs to be unique, like each building, each construction, or each, each design. element of the yeah. building should be should be should be unique according to him. I don't I don't agree with him because I mean, the rhythm of a facade is not is not uh, is not a sign of, of the time of of Fordism and mass production. I mean, mm. during the whole history 
since ancient orders we can see we can see uh, uh, mass production or ways to not, automate not, not, not only not not mass production but certain rhythm certain repetition in a facade which is part of part of uh, architectural uh, yeah. architectural uh, expression he goes from from the aesthetics um, uh, from the uh, aesthetics manifesto all the way to his building almost like a philosophical system where he calls for privatization and individualization of architectural processes, liberalization of housing policies. He advocates more free market economy based yes. on that. So he expands I, to many areas, not only exactly. like the... I, the, the I personally do not, do not share his opinion. I, uh, I, to begin with, I don't... I think uh, this relation between using digital tools and curvy shapes, no repetition, uh, complex geometries. I think that this, this relation that he makes that, that's necessary for him, I think it's a stretch. I think this, this decision is very arbitrary. And also, I don't want to bore you with, with different examples, but through in history, it, you, th there were many architects that, that applied generative tools and, and parametric tools in order not to address geometric complexity of buildings, but to for instance, optimize the performance of the building, uh, uh, improve the efficiency um, uh, uh, to ensure smart distribution of, of functions in the building. And I think all that, uh, which is also part of the scope of, of parametric design, I think that's the most uh, most important, more, more, more purposeful way of, of using using digital digital tools in architecture. Right, and no, you're not not boring, not boring us. I mean, I I find it very very interesting to get into the details right of your art your inspiration but also learn from you know all these experts right that you you are mentioning that had a big impact on your art but also in the world right in the how we design things how we think about things in this case in architecture in art um that takes me to follow which is probably the i think it's your most um, how do we say, critically acclaimed <laughs> collection, generative art collection. It, I think it marked for you um, kind of the start, a new beginning, right? Because the reception was just amazing and the collection itself, it's truly, truly special. It's one of my favorite collections on FX Hash. Can you tell us a bit about Hollow and, and, and the story behind it, how you created and, and so, the reception? Yeah, so Hollow... Hollow is a, in fact, it's both a tribute and a critique of an artist that, that is very important to me. I'm talking about Eduardo Chida. Chida was a, was a Basque sculptor, famous, famous for his uh, abstract work, uh, in monumental, monumental scale, the, the, the materiality of, uh, of his, his sculptures. In the 1990s, uh, he proposed a very ambitious vision of turning a whole mountain into a sculpture. He wanted to create a vast uh, cubic void inside uh, Mount Tindaya on, on Fuerteventura, on Canary Islands. That would, it was like a huge empty cube that would open up uh, in the corners to let, to let natural light in. And, uh, and it would, it would uh, form this truly, truly breathtaking uh, space. Almost everybody was against that project. It was it was criticized for first of all for its ecological impact. Um, culturally, it was also highly controversial because Tindaya is a sacred mountain of 
of um, indigenous people of uh, of Fuerteventura. Mm-hmm. Economically, because the place, in order to sustain itself, would have to become basically a ma- massive touristic attraction. And even from the artistic point of uh, point of view, like who are you to impose your vision on a natural formation that has been there for for twenty million years? Right? But to me, the beauty of the concept was 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 undeniable, and I uh, and the idea of Hollow was to to give it a new life. So instead of excavating a, a sacred mountain, I I created multiple uh, randomly generated digital mountains uh, where the the the, the excavation of, of not of stone but of digital matter for for artistic purposes seemed, seemed less controversial. Yeah. Um, and that's what that's what Hollow is about. Yeah, and, and, no, that's a very interesting story. I like how your collections have, you know, uh, something behind them, um, inspired by architects, but also stories, right? Uh, that kind of happened through history. So this this anecdote about yeah, modifying mountain to create a piece of art. Yeah, seems controversial as you as you said, but it was a great way. I mean, I think your me- the narrative art medium was the perfect way to bring that to life, right? With hollow, and there are some, you know, let's call call them varieties or differences between each hollow, right? So I know that one of the the or well, many of the special ones are those that have this birds right flying in the cave oh, yes. so how, how did you come up with that idea of the of the birds and how did you actually if we talk a little bit more technical how did you code those i mean in, in a very short short uh, manner how do you code those birds moving and flying what kind of uh, techniques do you use for that so it's uh i don't know where the idea came from i think it was like kind of a vision that it, at some point point struck me that the huge empty space you have like a flock of birds flying it would give it the, the a more sense of scale to the to the piece it's uh, the way i coded it is basically a, a a flock algorithm so so like i don't code the paths of each individual birds but uh, but each bird is like a like an agent like an element of a of a system that's basically um, obeying very simple rules, it's looking at this, its nearer, ne- nearest neighbors, other birds, and tries to align to them to their to their to the direction of their flight, and also keep the distance so that they don't they don't um, collide collide, and uh, it it has to uh, avoid collision with with the walls of this of this space. Mm. So no, that's uh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, no, that's quite cool. I. I... Again, congrats on that collection. Um, it's just, I think probably one of the. I mean, it's it's one of the top-selling collections on FX Hash, but yeah. also yeah. has been included included in many lists of the top when you people that curate, right? I'm very very happy uh, with the reception it, it received. And how long did it take, uh, Jacek? Was it complicated to create this one, or was one of those that actually? Didn't take you so much time. How much time did you spend on this on Hollow? I don't have the ones that take uh, little time. It's like <laughs> I, I spent usually many months uh, mm. developing developing my work. 
um, I dive into into coding mm-hmm. uh, completely. I get lost in it, and I I need many weeks of experimentation and uh, different iterations uh, until I'm until I I am happy with the with the piece. So I think Hollow took four months, maybe. Okay, four months. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. And I remember you told me uh, when we met in in in, in Valencia. That you actually go like all in into these projects, right? Like you, you, you don't stop until it's ready, right? So that means like four months full time working on the collection, right? So yeah, it's it's sometimes a little bit obsessive. I cannot when I when I dive into 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 the process of, of creation, I really have problems of finding what to, when to stop. Mm. Uh, it's basically I because I don't treat my 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 project as as products that yeah. in which I I I, I just w- I just want to uh, achieve certain certain objective and then it's done. It's a uh, it's almost like a like a like a living organism that that I coexist with um, okay. during during these months and I I try different things with it. I add uh, elements to it. I remove it. I it I I kind of um, uh, enhance it with uh, with with experiences that I that I that I gain para- parallelly in in my life. It's a it's a um, uh, intensive relationship that I have with uh, with uh, with the piece. I mean, I think that's uh, it's I guess complicated, right? As you said, to when is it done? And I, I guess you can attach too much, like emotionally, maybe to, to a collection. But also, but I think that also influences the results, right? Like, it, it, it's a way to, you know, if you if you treat it as a product and you didn't put that much energy into it in terms of, you know, it should be perfect. I think that will reflect right in the final output. Yeah. So where to? St- I really, st- I really struggle with, uh, as as I mentioned, with of of uh, with finishing work on it. So so when is it ready? When, when it's when ready, it's right? So like when I start working, it's true. I have certain things. It's as as I mentioned. It's I don't treat it as a as a product that that's already defined in my head. But I have a lot of things planned beforehand. So the, the topic. Okay. Uh, that I want to explore. Uh, I also have certain rules uh, of the language that I want to use. The the the, the vision, the, let's say the vague vision of how I want it to look. Um, and uh, but when I when I start coding, I I always get surprised by the results, and I start playing along with it. And it's uh, there is this element of 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 discovering that I didn't didn't have, didn't have it all figured out, uh, and it's. It incites the excitement because I need to to try to understand the, the new aspects of the algorithm and how and how it it, it basically the pro, the process the process di- diverges from the planned path and uh, and forces me to to adapt. It's, it's it's almost like a dialogue with the work. Yeah, I treat it, I treat it as I as I told you, like it, more like a like a living being. Um, uh, it it uh, it reflects my my thoughts. Um, uh, that I that I that I'm having during the time when I when I work on the piece, um, it usually I stop working on it when either when the when the the piece stops resonating with me anymore because I I feel that I'm in like in a different moment 
mentally than when I when I when I started working on it, and then I and I cannot contribute anything anything meaningful to it anymore. And then I I also I, I also always have to make a decision whether it's worth releasing it or not. What what my relation is with the, with the piece? There are there are often moments when I when I spend weeks or or months working on something that i decide not to not to show to the world because i grow detached from 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 the piece i i've been working on okay that's interesting well but there is some uh, that's something you can always come back like at a later date never done it mm. until now i sometimes i i come back to 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 projects that i that i had started but only to to take out certain elements from it, maybe there is like a function or like an algorithm that I find useful in a in a different project, and I want to explore more. But but if the concept stops being close to me, it's really hard for me to uh, to come back to it fully. But but maybe maybe in in the in the future, I, maybe I will revisit some of yeah. those projects. Yeah, that that makes sense. It's a great way to put it. And Jasek, we talk a bit about your your. Generative art collections like Unbuilt, Hollow. Um, you also release Cantera uh, in collaboration with Right Moments. Yeah. And can you tell us a bit about Cantera? What, what is it about, and how was that experience working with Right Moments? It was a it was a really it was a really good experience. Um, it's a project uh, that somehow continues the the exploration of. Uh, that I started with with Hollow, uh, it takes a little bit further the, my my fascination with with human intervention in uh, in natural landscape, natural environment. It's more inspired. It's also inspired in uh, uh, with the cultural um, landscape of of the Basque Country. It's called Cantera, as if as in the quarry. Like the, I don't know about Galicia, but in but in the Basque Country. Especially when you go to the to the surrounding of Bilbao, it's filled with with whole mountains consumed by 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 stone quarries. Yeah. Uh, there is even a, a a story of a of a town called Gallarta, which is next to which is next to Bilbao. It's a beautiful story because it's a it's a town uh, in which they discovered iron ore at some at some point. Uh, and they started extracting the iron ore, and they realized, and the, the, the city started thriving because of that. People came to the city to work in the mines. The 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 city, the the, the town developed, and the mine grew bigger and bigger. When they realized that the richest um, supply of iron ore is directly below the, the town of Gallarta, they started extracting the the ore from 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 beneath it and while doing it they needed to start destroying the town so so what happened is that the city basically came to to being and gained certain importance because of the iron ore and but that but the discovery of it led to the destruction of the city because in order to get to the iron order needed to mm, basically destroy, display, the city. Wow. destroy the city and displace the town uh, the sad aspect of it is that when they when they removed the the uh, destroy the town in the 70s i think after a few years like six years later 
they, they discovered that the extraction of iron ore, the way they were extracting it, was not uh, economically feasible anymore, and they and they abandoned the mine. And it's a little bit a little a little bit about this relationship that we have with nature, but but in the context of how this relationship with nature really affects us as human beings as well. I'm yeah. always interested in that aspect. Of that. Oh, that's a very deep, very rich history. I mean, that's quite interesting. I have to visit visit that town. I guess there is a museum it, of of, museum. of, okay. of mining there. Nice. Um, and Jacek, you actually have been kind of not sure if the word is on a break, but you haven't released recently, right? Like a couple of months ago, and that in probably means you've been that's April, yeah. Yeah, since April. Exactly. Wow, that's uh, almost a year. I mean, almost well, a year. So, what have you been up to, and is there anything coming soon? There, there is, there is. So, I've been, I've been working for months already on a, on a new, on a new piece. Uh, it's called, it's called Barbarians. Uh, let's, uh, let's don't pretend you have, you, let's don't pretend, pretend you haven't seen it. I showed you, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. showed you the the sneak peeks of the of the piece. It's, it will be, it will be released soon with Verse in, in the beginning of of February. I don't know where where, where uh, you are planning to to release the the recording, but at the at the beginning of February we'll present it in in london with verse and and the, the project will be will be published on uh, uh, on their platform uh, at the end of uh, of february beginning of march mm-hmm. it's called barbarians uh, and it's f- the further it's further exploration of of this of this idea of human inter- intervention in, in natural landscape that i started in, with hollow and continued with with cantera so so barbarians draws a scenario where when you look at the, it's it's a long form, uh, it's a long form collection, and when you look, when you look at the pieces, at first glance you can see uh, these uh, monumental structures car- carved in the landscape, in natural landscape. They, they look like a little bit like architectural elements, vaults and columns. They are cutting through 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 mountains and valleys, and then when you zoom in. Uh, at the at the terrain surrounding these these structures, there are, there you can also see that there are other uh, inhabitants of this of this scenery mm-hmm. uh, between those those hills and the and the trees. The, uh, the, you you can see roads, wooden houses, uh, sometimes like more more bigger buildings resembling a church or a town hall. There are fields, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's when you look at that strong. Let's say a monumental intervention, and compare it to 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 this more humble civilization. It's not really clear who came first. So the first thing that may come to your mind is that we are looking at the ruins of an advanced civilization, where a new, less technologically advanced culture started dwelling, like barbarians in 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 ancient Rome. Mm-hmm. But uh, but maybe no, maybe this is not necessarily the case. That maybe these monumental structures may be posterior to the to the wooden settlements, like a radical, barbaric mm-hmm. footprint of of an external force colonizing colonizing the land for resources. Maybe yeah, or maybe it's the same culture we're talking about. Yeah, no, that sounds exciting. Again, another 
interesting story that you 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 kind of used as inspiration. I, I really enjoyed those. Um, so it will come out on verse in on February. I, I think um, yeah, I I think we this episode will be live um, on the first of February. Um, so Perfect. I think people will have time to actually look at the be ready, be prepared to to collect. Um, exciting. And I did look at the outputs. You share a couple and they are looking fantastic. So congrats again, Jacek, on your, on your amazing work and on the new collaboration. And, and I, I, what I like about Verse is that they do these shows in London, right? And, and physical shows, which is not common, is very hard to find. I really enjoy those when you, when you get to, to, to meet, uh, meet people and collectors. Uh, yeah, and, and curators and, and other artists in real life. Fantastic! And the show in London will it be also early February or later? It's going to be seventh uh, of February. I think we're going to have like an in real life event in in London. Uh, so I'll be there the moment we are recording it. Like in two weeks, I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm going to be leaving to uh, for 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 London. Mm-hmm. So the moment the the, the episode will be aired. It's going to be one week before that. I guess. Awesome. Exciting. And Jessica, we, we have been talking for, I mean, close to an hour. And, you know, I have this question. I always ask guests to mm-hmm. name three, three artists um, that inspired you. You already mentioned a, a multiple, right? But if you had to name, to have a list of three that inspire you, could be digital artists, using blockchain or not it's up to you it's really tough to to narrow down my my inspiration and inspirations and 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 reference to 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 three people uh so i definitely cannot not mention eduardo chida i already mentioned in the before although i have like i have a very complicated relationship with 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 chida his artistic practice affected me affected me greatly not only in hollow but also in 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 my other uh, formal investigation in, in experimentations uh, but uh, eduardo chida as a person is is uh, not a role model for uh, for me to his certain uh, history but that's that's a that's a topic for a for a for a whole new uh, conversation but definitely he's he's one of those three um so the second person i am always fascinated by land art so one of the one of uh, one of the artists from 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 this field i will go for for maya lin mm. who is a uh, land artist but but she's also she's also an architect okay and the last one um uh, El Anachui. El Anachui is, a, is an artist from, from Ghana. Uh, he works with sculptural installations that, 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 that look like huge textile elements. And he uses everyday objects such as bottle tops to create, to create those. Uh, they, oh. are really, they are really stunning. Nice. That's, that's a very, very unique list. Um, <laughs> and for everybody listening, uh, all the, the links to the collections, to the artists, um are will be the show notes so you can easily find uh, the artist 
Jacek mentioned and also his collections. I will provide you with the list. Maybe. Yeah, if I, if I if I need help finding them, I'll let you know. But I think it should be should be easy. Um, thanks so much, Jacek. It's been it's been a Thank pleasure. You. Thank you. All the best with your show. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll be you know watching out the for the for the release of uh, Barbarian. Sounds very very exciting. I'm also very excited, and I, 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 cannot, I cannot wait for the event. The big day, the big day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Jacek. Thank you, Carlo.